Welcome to the Washington Union Alliance Church Podcast, an archive of our recorded sermons. We're a Christian and Missionary Alliance Church located in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. For more information, go to wuac.org. We've started a series called BLESS, B-L-E-S-S, and five everydays to love your neighbor and change the world. Very I'm hoping this is a very practical series, but also a powerful one. It's inspired by a book. It's sitting on my front uh, pew there, but it's a book by Dave and John Ferguson. And I'm just trusting that God's going to do a great work through this series, through some very practical ways to love your neighbor. And as we begin to be mobilized in this way, I pray we'd really lean into this and begin to engage this. Before that, I had written on the top of my page to uh, make another little comment or announcement. And uh, this is just a pastoral word for all of us as we sort of enter in. We are on the brink of summer. Raise your hand if you like summer. Raise your hand if you're like, I, I don't really care. Okay, so you're on a really Wow. Students, you're like, I don't really care. That's, okay, you're lying. And um, we'll, we'll have a prayer meeting afterwards and we can come forward and do that and repent of that. Um, but anyway, um, listen, uh, just a pastoral word here. Listen, I know it's vacations, summer, travels, whatnot. Here's what I do know is summer's also a great time. Let's start to develop habits, right? Like, so instead of like, sometimes we kind of can kind of, uh, whatever, if it's church, Coming to church or whatever, we've got travels. I know you've got travels. I've got travels this summer. We can kind of drift in and out, right? So this is just a pastoral word here, is if this would be a great time, I think, just in a spiritual sense to develop some spiritual heart habits, right? So maybe it's a book of the Bible you want to go through this summer. Like, that would be a great time to just kind of drill down and say, you know what? Um, Because we kind of like, you kind of start to kind of feel spiritually drift a bit. Maybe it's a prayer habit. Maybe you want to grab somebody and just say, you know what, let's go through uh, a book together, a book of the Bible or a book or a start a prayer, kind of a prayer habit. Um, uh, maybe you want to go through a chapter of the Bible. And so it's just, I just want to say that, you know, as we kind of enter into this summer, just a great, um, and that'll help propel you forward and us forward together um, so that God would just grow those habits in us and uh, would just develop that. In our heart, and so now is the time. The great have great time to do it as in the summer. Um, okay, so bless B L E S S. Begin with prayer. Um, listen, eat, serve, and story. So we're going to talk about this. Sort of today is another little inter- introduction to this as well. And so what this means for each of us and as a church family. I just I'm excited about this. Praying that this would you know drill down in my heart and your heart as well, and that we would change even just our neighborhood, our neighbor, you know, just kind of even um, as we move forward in that, just kind of even um, begin to bless our neighbors. And so we do this by the conviction. We bless people because we believe, as followers of Jesus, we believe that He desires more for us and desires other people to experience the life change that He's made in us. So our conversations about sharing our faith. And what the word kind of maybe you've heard before is evangelism. Maybe you've heard that word before. I just want to start by understanding like this. Even when we hear the word evangelism, sometimes we think it's more of like selling a car or being a good salesman and giving a good sales pitch. But the reality is that when we begin to understand sort of the evangelism piece, we also understand it's just this basic command It's not an option, in fact. It's a command. Love your neighbor as yourself shows up eight times. 
not twice, but eight times. Loving your neighbor as yourself is important to God. He not only repeats himself, but he even makes it a command for us as the church. And he couples it with loving God in Mark 12. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your what? Strength in this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And when church, when we get this right as the church and as our church, when we get this right, it's a beautiful thing. And I know you may be thinking here, you're like, what about the noisy neighbor? What about the neighbor next to me? What about the difficult relationship that I'm in currently? What about the neighbor who's let his dog loose on me multiple times? What about the neighbor's who's just, I just struggle to interact with, whatnot. And I think that's why God made it a command and not an option. He know, he'd know that there would be times that there would be drifting with this. And God insists that we find time, make the sacrifice, and be intentional about loving our neighbors. So I just want to dream for a second for church. Could we dream a minute just for, just for a second? If, what if all of us, we could envision this, all of us mobilized, took to heart a church body who intentionally loved our neighbor. And if intentional time, including all of us, intentional time to change our heart, for to God to do a work in our heart to intentionally love our neighbor in such a way. I mean, imagine what the kingdom of God, to watch the kingdom, to see the kingdom of God, and what might happen here right in Lawrence County. And it's been my heart, we'd be a church intentional, intentional, about making the community better. And as the church, as we go, the community goes as well. And so I believe God desires that of his church and as the church. And I believe that God desires from us as just the people of God. And that's from the beginning and we'll see today. Many of you have done this and I'm super grateful for how you are partnering with the Lord in this way and are doing this. I'm super grateful for that. And But there are times, church, and there are times where we ought to just kind of revisit this again. We've heard this command, love your neighbor as yourself, love God. And we ought to just kind of revisit it and kind of get re-engaged yet with this command again. And summer is also a good time because some, most, some of your neighbors are outside, not physical neighbors. And neighbors could be those maybe in your spheres of influence or spheres or friends or whatever. But this good time also. Uh, when your neighbors are outside and uh, you get to converse with them a little bit. And so uh, maybe it's um, with spheres of influence in which God, you know, what in which and how in which God is calling us to be a good neighbor in our circles. And all of us have a circle right now that we live in. And so now you may be hearing this and you may be bogged down by cynicism. Maybe you've maybe had a bad car ride in here. Maybe the gas, maybe you're, you're low on gas and you're like, I got to think about uh, what, what's uh, for lunch after. Or, or maybe you just had, maybe it was like the, putting your kid's shirt on was like upside down or whatever. Um, and you just tried to get here, right? So maybe, you're, maybe you just hear that command to love your neighbor as yourself, love God, and you're like kind of bogged down by a bit of cynicism. Or you watched the cable news last night or this morning. Um, and listen, I don't live in a vacuum um, either, and I understand there is a lot to uh, lament over. And maybe you're just kind of bogged down a little bit by it, and I understand that. I get the frustration there, but I do know this church. I know we serve a bigger God, and I know His promises are true, and I know we can stand on His Word. Amen? We can do that. We can do that, and His promises are more certain than the world around us. And his spirit within us, he's making everything new. And I get it when you turn on the cable news, it's depressing. 
I get it. And I fully understand there are people, many people who let you down. And I understand there's a lot of hurt out there. But we are the church. The gates of hell cannot prevail against it. And I know that we are all precious sons and daughters of the king. The church is the body of Christ and she will not fail. I know it can be feel, feel dark and I can know it can feel tough. But God is just bigger than all that church. Amen. We are the church. We are the church. Anyone know these shapes? Anyone know these shapes? Raise your hand if you know them. You know those these shapes, right? Heading into geometry in elementary. Let's go back to geometry or elementary school or maybe middle school or maybe perhaps. If you talk to an architect, now I am not an architect, okay, but if you talk to somebody about this, they'll tell you that all the other shapes in the world flow from these three shapes, circle, square, and triangle. And uh, I heard someone explain this one time that the derivative of every shape comes from these shapes. Sometimes it's combined for a hexagon, and you, but if you boil them down, you'll see these shapes everywhere. I mean, you look around the room today, you're like, you can see all these shapes are everywhere. Um, and once you kind of see these shapes for the first time and start to realize this, you will, you will see how this ends up. And I mean, everything, everything boils down to this around. So what does this have to do with today or anything like this? What does this have to do with anything? Maybe you've got this, like, maybe you've got this verse hanging in your house. It's on a cross stitch, or maybe you remember this in your grandma's house or grandparents' house. And maybe this, it's from 1 Corinthians 13, 13, says this, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and what? Love. But the greatest of these is love. Faith, hope, and love are the greatest of these. The greatest of these is love. Love, your God, love God, love your neighbor. And God specializes in these three pillars of the faith of our spiritual journey. God does this, and He intertwines it and works together. And here's the good news, that God is working in your life, faith, hope, and love, into your life, into your, into your walk with God spiritually. And God wants the onlooking world to look, He wants the onlooking world to look at the church. He wants people in Newcastle to look at the church and say, faith, hope, and love. And He wants the onlooking world to say, yeah, you know what? disciples they they operate and they faith hope and love they exist in that church and they exist in that disciple of jesus and that's what i want the onlooking world to recognize as people who have been uniquely called and commissioned to be a part of this and as the church and as the followers of christ we submit to god's work in our lives and we submit to the god's work and we say god and god designed us for this this was his design he designed us to be people of faith hope and love for such purposes and you may be here and you're thinking like why love What's love got to do with it? And uh, yes, I realized that she just passed away very recently. And so I just, I actually had not thought of that and I thought of the title. But um, anyway, but you, maybe you've heard this. Maybe you've heard 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and you've been to about 15 weddings in your lifetime and you know this, you know these verses by the back of your hand. But let's, let's reread them like for the very first time. Maybe you've heard this. It's the love chapter of the Bible. That specific church. Now, this is the church in Corinth to Christians. And even for Christians in Corinth, those Corinthian, this was written to the church, mind you. Okay, the Corinthian Christians had the religious thing down. They did what Christians do every week. They went to church and prayed and sang, listened to a sermon, even shared a meal together. But in all the coming and going, in all their churchly activity, in spite of all the sermons they ever heard on 1 Corinthians 13, they struggled to keep love at the center of their lives. And in this particular instance, 
the Corinthians had gotten themselves caught up in arguments about who was the most eloquent, who was the smartest, who had the most spiritual sensitivity, who made the most money, who had the most community service, etc., 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 and all the arguments went. They were competitive with each other. They were interested in excellence and what set them apart. And Paul steps into the setting in chapter 12, verse 31, and he steps into the setting we've got today, and he steps on my front door, and maybe yours. And he says, I know you love your excellence, but let me show you even a more excellent way, the way of love. The way they love, they ask, you know, what's love got to do with it? Most people are curious, what is love? Love God, love your neighbor. How does the scriptures define this? How does God define this? So love your neighbor, how so? What does this look like? Maybe you're not too sure how or love or it's just been downright hard, but I'm glad that you're here today and uh, the Holy Spirit is working and moving. And so, hey, if you're visiting with us, we at this church value the preaching and teaching of the scriptures. If you do not have a Bible, I'd love to give you one. Make sure you find a church that does the same thing. It preaches and teaches the scriptures faithfully. It's on your Bible, uh, in your Bible, and it's on the screen behind me as well. In the Bible in front of you, page 813. And you can go there and flip to that page if you'd like a hard copy Bible. Raise your hand if you're like, I need to read my books hard copy. I have to have a hard copy book. Raise your hand if you need a Kindle. Okay, all right, okay. Well, listen, we're gonna, we have kind of the both here. So anyway, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. It says this, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. And if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have what? Love. I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. And let me just say resounding gong or clanging cymbal. What a really annoying sound. (laughs) Okay. All right. Um, And if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am what? Nothing. And if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to the hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain what? Nothing. Nothing. Why was this the case? Earlier, Paul says that they ought to grow up spiritually, and there was fighting, there was conflict even in the first century church, conflict and fighting and frustrations. Even the first century church. Paul says they ought to grow up spiritually. There was fighting, conflict, arguing, and some, and God calls them to do something greater and more powerful because Jesus is the head of the church and he calls us all to that. But some, he says there's arguing, and he says some follow Paul and Apollos, and some follow Jesus and can just competitive. There's just conflict everywhere. And he mentions the mark of Christian maturity. In verse 11, he says this, verse 11, he says, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put on the, put the ways of childhood behind me. Church, we must get this love portion right. We've got to get it right. Greatest of these is love. And we as the church, we've got to grapple with this. Paul is interested in primarily in what the Christian says, what he knows, and what he does with that. And in each instance, he wants the believer to imagine a world without it, without love. 
And this is meant to be produced in us. We have to allow the Spirit of God to be produced in our heart, produced in our lives. And love ought to grow in us as we grow into spiritual maturity because of, a world, of the work that Jesus Christ has done in our lives. 1 Thessalonians 1.3 is a letter to the church in Thessalonica. Same guy wrote this letter, wrote this to Corinth, this guy named Paul. And he said, this we remember before our God and Father, your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by what? Love and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. This is produced in our lives. We produce faith, hope, and love in our lives. And then he books, bookends this book in 5.8. He says, but since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Faith, hope, and love. It's vital in the life of the follower of Jesus that we ought to love people. It's at the very heart of God himself. Design matters when we are created in God's image and we have his spirit in us. We live into the world. We live not of the world, but we live this out. And love existed from eternity past and prompted God to create the world because God is love. In 1 John 4, it says, Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from who? God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not know God, whoever does not love, does not know God because God is what? Love. In Ephesians 1, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. And we love because of the work of Jesus through God, through his spirit in us, and through his Holy Spirit. It's produced in us and through us to love other people. And it's the way God is, the, how God is, and how God operates in this world. And what brings this whole thing together for us in our lives. The greatest act of love, God sending his son, Jesus. And we ought to look, we look to God as the standard and the foundation of love. And what God has done and what God is doing in the world around us. You see, love, true True love comes from God in existence outside of ourselves. And I know this to be true, that even for those who are far from God, all of us kind of are drawn by this. If you're far from God, if you, if you know people that are far from God, you are drawn by love. You are drawn by the existence of what love is. And love holds us together. I mean, take, for example, how love is predicted in song, reflected it even in our culture's, even notice this, even in our culture's music, right? The Beatles said, and you can't buy me love, which is true. I definitely agree with that. Elvis said, love me tender, which I'm not really sure what that means. But um, anyway, and stop in the name of love, right? Um, you know, I say that to like my kid who's like, you know, for Gwen and stop in the name of love and, you know, just try that. But sometimes, um, Tina, <laughs> sometimes it doesn't work. Um, Tina Turner, you know, said that love's got to do with it, right? Um, culture kind of looks at this way and love's love got to do with it. Our world craves this kind of the, the love that only God, only God can bring. Love is defined by God and his authority and his word. And God's word is the only way of faith and practice for our Christian life. And so it's even to define the love of God through what, what God says. Stephen Um is an author. He says, if love must be outside of us to remain the love that we want it to be, then God himself is the only fit for the role to love. Love says that you, that says I hear you, understand you. So love says I hear you and understand you. Love says I know what you have been through despite your deepest fears. You are absolutely, you are absolutely not nothing. You are highly valuable. 
Love says, you are worth giving everything that I have. This was even displayed through, through Jesus and displayed all of this perfectly. Love says, I would die for you. And do we have anything less in this than the good news that has been reported to us through Jesus Christ? And Jesus, and he looks at all of our issues and all of our lovelessness and sometimes even just the, the batting average that we possess might not be very great. Whatever mess we've done most recently and says, not simply, I would die for you, but I did die for you. And it's already done. I became nothing so that you would know that you're not nothing. In this way, God, who after all is love, fills life with the necessary meaning with, that we crave. Love God, love your neighbor as yourself. This idea of bless, the bless that kind of starts from the beginning. We are people who are blessed, and then we are to also be a blessing to others. In Genesis 12, the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. Just go to the land that I will show you. Very kind of vague um, call here. Just go to the land I'm going to show you. Not very specific. Um, I don't know about you, but I like to have my life planned out. Um, I like to have things planned out in order. Like, I'd love to know where I'm going after church. And um, Abraham's like, God's just like, go from the land I'm going to show you and uh, to the land I'm going to show you. Tremendous amount of faith. I will, and this is just, this is what he says. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a what? Blessing. And even from the beginning, God has specifically, from the beginning, God has designed it and designed us that we are to be a blessing. And this continues on through the church and through us as well. Very early, early portion of the Bible. <clears throat> From the beginning, we're told that God intends to bless the world. We are to bless the community. As the church goes, might the community go as well. As we go, might we bless the community and bless the world around us. We're blessed to be a blessing to the world around us. And the backstory of Genesis 12 is that Abram's future was certain, was very much in doubt. He and Sarah did not have a son yet to carry on his legacy. And you might say that the mission of human beings at this point early on had come to a halt, as it were, which is where, in fact, the mission of God can completely and finally take off. When we realize that our own efforts aren't necessarily oftentimes get the job done. We depend on Jesus. We depend on him for strength and endurance. And we look at around to see a world around us that is in shambles. And so God calls Abraham to go. Our, you see, our God is consistently on the move and he wants his people to be on the move as well. It's his desire that wherever we go, as we go, we are to be about the mission of befriending and blessing the people that we come across. And that's the good news, church, good news, that the mission comes from God. God says, I will bless you, I will then, then, then I will bless you, you've got this inside of you, I'm producing this in you, faith, hope, and love, I am blessing, I am blessing the youth, I'm blessing the world through you and through the church, through the Spirit of God, that everything that we have comes from God. I will bless you, and then you will bless others with that blessing and I'm not blessing you just so you can just keep it in or just simply hide, just kind of hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. Uh, I'm not just so that you can just keep it to yourselves, but or how good it feels, or just simply how good it feels to be blessed, right? He's just saying, however I have blessed you, use that to bless others. You don't have to manufacture anything. Just bless others 
with who you are that I have given you, with all that I have given you. And we use our gifts with that. All of us are gifted differently. We bless other people using our gifts, and we bless others. Jesus modeled for us. While Jesus was on earth, he modeled this, he modeled this for us all over his ministry. But the story comes to us in Luke chapter 19, story of Zacchaeus. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. Now, it's Jericho was just passing through. Um, yeah, he just, it's kind of like he wasn't really going to intend on stopping there. He was just going to pass through, literally. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief... <coughs> excuse me, chief, past, uh, chief tax collector, and was wealthy. How many of you like to pay your taxes? Okay. And was wealthy, and he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he couldn't see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, and Jesus was coming along that way. You know, notice he was passing through. Jericho is kind of a... The, Thought of as a cursed city, in fact, in those days, and spending time with Zacchaeus was a game changer. Um, this was probably not on Jesus's Google Calendar or um, reminders um, on this, but he had the opportunity to bless this guy and build a relationship there. And in fact, Jesus chose to stop and meet with a guy who wasn't very well liked in those days. He was a tax collector, and in those days, you were in a 35% tax bracket. And then Zach would charge you 50% and then pocket 15 for himself. Okay, so imagine that. Do the math there. Uh, I wouldn't go see Zach, but, you know, um, you had to. So even that, right? So in those days, like, that, that was it. Jesus invited himself into Zacchaeus' house for a meal. And in those days, he invited him into his house. In those days, in that culture, in that time period, and that meant that, like, that was intimate. And that was, a you know, just friendship there. And Jesus' act of blessing him moved him to salvation, and Zach promises to give all that he had owned. Marvelous picture of what it means to bless and to bless others. Look how it ends up, verses 9 and 10. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the who? The lost. And we said this last week, often like friendships and relationships are the link for others to be able to listen. We must listen well and have others listen to us as well. And so he came to seek and to save the lost. And I realized that I left my last page of this in the printer downstairs. So I'm going to stall and use my phone for the last page of this sermon. Okay. Um, and um, I realized that about five minutes ago. And I said, okay, I'm going to find a time to get my phone are you glad for technology, or are you like, no, I don't, I don't like, I like, you know, I'm glad for this for right now, you know. Um, we are blessed to be a blessing in our lives. I just wonder if we've lost a bit of that flavor. Uh, here's the thing, too. I, um, it's, I, I mentioned this to somebody, I think. I think COVID, unfortunately, has, well, it's done a lot of things, but unfortunately, it's sort of caused us to kind of uh, kind of drift in our way of just having a conversation with people. We've sort of drifted in that. Um, it's accelerated, you know, the phone and whatever and online stuff. I just think we've drifted, we've just kind of lost a bit of this and maybe it's routine or it's just, we've just kind of lost a bit of that flavor in Christian circles. Um, but whether it's routine, maybe it's just busyness, right? 
Maybe it's just not being in Christian community. Um, we just run ourselves out of time and energy. But this blessing is something that is never, we're never meant to keep this to ourselves. In John 7, 38, whoever believes in me, <coughs> excuse me, scriptures have said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. We are to have streams of living water flowing from within us. We're rivers, we are channels of blessing to those around us. And now you may be thinking, in today's world, which feels kind of chaotic, like how does this work? How do we do this? How does this work in today's world? What about this sense of justice in the world? What about our convictions when we love? What about just the sense of what God says and how we're supposed to love, right? It can feel a little bit of a tension and a pull, right? Just even as Christians, we may be thinking justice. What about God's wrath? Um, the standards for this convictions. And um, we see as even we love God and we love our neighbor, we also, when we love God and love our neighbor, we, le- we leave room for God to work because God is always working. He always works. And I know this to be true just in the very short amount of time I've lived. God is the very best avenger than I will ever be. When we love our enemies, when we pray for them, we're expecting God's love to work in and through them. We're expecting God's love to work in and through our obedience as well. And God's love is simply not just simply boiled down to a feeling. It's way more than that. His wrath, his justice, all wrapped up into God's love. That's a part of all of this. Justice, wrath, mercy, and grace are all wrapped into this. God's love is just way more than a feeling. Love is not in a feeling, it's an action, and it's doing, and the love of God is greater. It's greater than all that, and it's greater than all of this. And what about justice? What about this? Romans 12 says, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's what? Wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. There is a heaven, there is a hell. God's wrath is real. Let's be people who live at peace with those around us to introduce them by His Spirit to the God that we serve and love. When we obey this command to love God and love others, we are leaving room for God to work in this way and for God's Spirit to work in this way. God is the most perfect and the excellent one to right the wrongs to the people who have done wrong to us. And He's the best avenger than we will ever aspire to be doesn't mean we speak the truth doesn't mean we speak the truth in love but we speak it in love right as ephesians 4 15 reminds us doesn't mean we withhold truth but we speak it in love as ephesians 4 15 reminds us how do we get there so it's like the gaps like maybe you're like spiritually like man or just reflecting on this the gaps kind of here like maybe you're feeling here and like how do i get to this point of loving How can I serve and love people as Jesus would and as God would command me to love, right? So he's just a few little, just steps to kind of begin walking this way. Maybe you're just, maybe just bogged down. Maybe it's just been hard. Um, Man, I would say the love, this love, this love, the, the love comes from God. This is produced in us from God, from God alone. God is the source of this and God's the one that's got to provide this source for us in our lives. And only he can provide that. He's done it through Jesus. But this love comes from God and from God alone. Secondly, just ask 
the Holy Spirit to fill you. Ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. And if you're kind of coming empty, if you're coming, you're like, it's just hard to love right now. Things in the world, relationship. Might I add that coming empty before God and saying, God, I don't know, but you know. God, I don't know fully, but I know you know, and I know you know all things, and I know you know my heart. I'm coming with open hands before you. And Romans 5, 5, hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to each and every single one of us. And in fact, the very, what I know this church, if you're coming before that, if you're empty and for like, God, use me and love me, that's the very best way to start. It's coming empty before God. Because we are surrendering before God and saying, God, would you fill me with your spirit and give that to me? Thirdly, love is an action. I learned this several years ago and it changed me and it changed the way I thought. We don't feel our way to love. We act our way into a feeling. Love does. Love does. It's an action. And when we love like Jesus loves, when God sent Jesus, when God sent Jesus, all over the scriptures, when we read the scriptures and we read, when we read what Jesus did and how he interacted and what his ministry was like, he went and spoke and interacted with people. He, he did that all across and he modeled that for us. And he died for us and came to do that for us. Greatest act of love, dying for us on the cross. Greatest act of love, Jesus laying down his life and God sending him to lay down for us. So as we close today, I'm just praying as we start this, we will, st- we will begin to walk down these blessed steps and what this looks like for us, for you and for me next week. But as I close today, I'm just praying for this series that God would do a mighty work in our heart. And for the sake of the neighbors that we've got, we all have a neighbor. And for the sake of those who don't know the Lord, for our circles, right? And I'm praying that God would do this through our, through our church, but through just us as people, God would supernaturally, miraculously work. But it's also very ordinary ways in which God moves and His Spirit moves among us. And I'm just praying that we'd be the kind of people that God is calling us to be for the sake of our county and city and beyond. Amen? Amen. Worship, will you come on up, team, if you come on up and we'll sing this together this morning. Will you join me uh, in prayer? And, and maybe today you have, um, as, we, as we pray, if you'll, yeah, just stand with us. If, why don't we stand together? And, um, um, you know, I, I know that the Lord is always working, and maybe you don't feel that or sense that fully quite yet. But I know he's working, and I know he's working in your life. And maybe you have walked in today when you have that picture of your mind of somebody, a neighbor that's been hard to love or a difficult, maybe he's just been a little bit more of a struggle in certain aspects. God calls us to love. And I just pray that for you and for us as a church, family, or um, just pray that you know, that the Lord would mend our heart today, mend all of our spirits and, and do that in this place. So why don't you join me? Father, we are just humbly submitting before you today and humbly submitting that the fact that we don't have it all together, we are, we are surrendering and opening our hands and hearts to you. And we're surrendering that in this place. 
and that you have uh, given us your spirit to love, to love others, love you, love others. And that simple but yet poignant command uh, that, that you've given us to do so. So we thank you and praise you, and we give you all the praise and honor and glory and your strong son's mighty and wonderful name. Church said together, amen. amen.